everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. We're in Season 4, Episode 28. I'm your co-host, Key. And I'm your co-host, Coach P. And this is a special episode right here today as we have not one but three special guests in the building. This is big, Key. We, I feel like the podcast is growing and we're evolving and I'm loving it right now. It's definitely growing and I'm happy with the people that we have amongst us and it's super exciting. So our first guest is Anasia Washington, the creator of A-Plug Magazine, who was born and raised in the Bronx and writing was always something she enjoyed doing and growing up she knew she wanted to eventually own her own magazine one day and we actually conducted our very first interview with a plug magazine so you can definitely go back and check that check that interview out on her website which we'll plug in the show notes and anasia welcome to the show thank you i'm happy to be here (laughs) and our second guest is steve young from new jersey he's currently residing in brooklyn he's a hip-hop artist who projects focused on positivity growth and boom bap i'm sure you're going to explain that further in the interview um he just released a new ep titled an opportune displacement available at f-e-e-l-y-o-n-g myo-u-n-g music.com you can catch him doing live shows in manhattan queens and brooklyn and last but not least we have Emma and Arthur Helling from the Bronx. As she's a mom, she's dedicated everything she does for her children. And that's where her her inspiration to motivate and uplift children come from with her writing. And she actually published her first book, The Boy and the Wizard, and is working on publishing her second book, which is currently underway. Well, Emma, welcome to the show. Hey, hey. <laughs> so I think we should just let's dive right into it. Definitely. We're going to start off with Anasia being that she did interview Steve and Emma. So what was your inspiration for A-Plug Magazine? Well, I was an only child, and I was always reading magazines. I always wrote. I was always writing. And uh, my favorite magazine when I was a kid was Seventeen Magazine. Um, but I noticed, like, there weren't too many magazines out that were, like, dedicated to people of all walks of life. It was either like, oh, you're just black, or you're just white, or mm-hmm. you're this. It's never something that everybody can you know really relate to so um and also from I went to Morgan State University and Morgan had just so many talented people and I just wanted to always just be around all the talent and and help them get their name out there and I was always telling my friends oh I have a friend that does this I have a friend that does that and try to get them to work with each other so um that's where I got the idea because I was always um, coming up with ideas for a magazine, but it just never stuck, and I always mm-hmm. kind of got discouraged. And um, a plug was what just really stuck, and it really felt good. So yeah, that's that's how I I got the inspiration. Okay, cool. And what impact are you looking to make with your magazine? I just want to have um, help people just get their name out there. Um, the people who feel like they're the, the tiny people on the totem pole, you know, either if they're rapping or they're doing poetry or they have a, a business or anything like that. Or writing a children's book. Or writing mm. a children's book. Shout out to book. Emma. Yes, Woo-hoo. hey Emma. <laughs> anything, you know, no matter what you do, I just want people to to inquire about your business. And I want to give you you know, more fans or more um, clients or whatever it is. Um, it's just, it's what I'm passionate about. All right, sweet. It literally just like 
the light bulb just went off in my head just now. I'm feeling kind of slow. I'm just like, you're the plug. I love it. I'm like, you, you, I'm like, yo, she's like the plug. She's connecting people, putting people on. Like, I'm like, oh. Right. He's a little delayed. Okay. Okay. That's how it came to me too because I was um, playing around with names because my name is Anasia, as you said, and mm-hmm. it starts with an A and I was always messing around with A's because my nickname was Triple A so for a while it was Triple A Magazine but I was like, eh. And um, what else did I have? I had a whole bunch of other things. So, um, oh, A plus was another one that I had for a while, but there was a lot of A pluses out there. Yeah. So I was just playing around. I was like, A plug, A plug. Hmm. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's what stuck. That's <laughs> right, sweet. Plug, really, I'm the plug. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Steve, how would you describe your musical style and content, and what artists had the most influence on your music? Um, all my stuff is kind of very positive. That's I just I grew up in a really positive environment, and mm-hmm. I kind of carried that out through my music and my experiences, and you know even start getting into like more fictional songs. But it always, for the most part, the newer stuff that I've been doing is like will usually present a kind of negative scenario, and also kind of present like the positive aspects of it, or try to present a different perspective that you can have with regard to that negative scenario, and. Um, that's kind of, it, it kind of started with, like, I went through one of my first projects was, like, a lot of songs that were written during, like, a heartbreaking, like, relationship that was on and off. Mm-hmm. And that kind of inspired, the project was called It's Gonna Be Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and, like, the first song that I wrote and recorded for it was called Hope. And it was, like, just kind of trying to, like, you get, you can have this little beam of, of hope, this little tiny thing. And then just by reflecting that, you can kind of expand the light and bring that to different people. And that's kind of the idea of, of my stuff. And so my most recent project is on opportune displacement, mm-hmm. which is kind of like contradictory, where like displacement is, the idea of that is like something that kind of throws you off your mm-hmm. course or something that messes you up or just like some little tiny thing that's just like a bother to you in your yeah. life. And then it's, it's all about finding the opportunities in those times of displacement. So... Like, you know, for example, my mom, who was a big influence on me, um, was recently laid off. So that kind of like I was telling her, like, you have to find the opportunities. Like the job she had wasn't great. It was like this really awful boss. And she just didn't like the way that she was treated, wasn't respected enough in that work environment. And so it's like, you know, you all right. So being laid off sucks. But now you are free from that awful job and you can find the opportunities within that time of being displaced. Um, Sorry. Oh, no, no, continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I guess the next part was the artists that influenced me. Yes, um, that had con- the most influence on your music. So um, I, growing up, I listened to a lot of um, Ludacris, Busta Rhymes, mm-hmm. and Missy Elliott. And okay. I think a lot of that inspired kind of like my, what, my jokey songs mm-hmm. and like the sillier lyrics that I have. But then when I went to college, I started listening to Common, who became my favorite rapper and still, you know, to this day is like yeah. one of my biggest influences on and off the mic. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like he is just such a positive beacon in a genre that's you know he'll he'll tell you stories about his you know growing up yeah. in like south side of Chicago and things were not great and mm-hmm. you know he went through struggle but he's such a positive influence for his community and does so much stuff with his like common ground foundation and things like that and has just always been like the biggest influence on me kind of you know being positive through my music okay I love that because I'm definitely a really positive person as well. And I, I 
definitely agree with you. The perspective that you really put onto things, like you can't really control the situation. You can't right. control what's going on around you, but you always have that power to really decide how you respond to right. the situation. So I really like that in the, the name opportune displacement. I think that's dope. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And in regards to that, what was it like producing and creating your um, EP opportune displacement? So that one, it was actually a really cool kind of process. It first started with the first song on the project, which is called Coffee. Okay. I had heard the song is originally by an artist called Sylvan Esso. It's mm-hmm. a duo. And I loved the instrumental and the chorus, and I ended up writing a song sampling them. So I kept their chorus, and their song as well as mine is kind of mm-hmm. about how like a relationship is like a cup of coffee, where yeah. you have that initial high, and then you know sometimes you hit the crash, and then it's like time to move on to yeah. the next cup to get back up again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I started writing that song, and it's kind of mostly fiction with some like little tidbits, you know, relating to certain relationships that I've had. And it started with that, and then it, and then I like kind of had that as an individual entity that song. Mm-hmm. And then I had always really liked this instrumental called "The Fall" by this group called Rye. Okay, and I wrote a song to that instrumental that kind of was a really nice, like, um, you know, nice little track to follow Mm -hmm. Coffee, which is the song The Fall kind of starts out sounding like moving on from a relationship, but eventually goes into, as you listen to the song, you realize that it's about growing up and moving on from your childhood while while being able to maintain Mm -hmm. those kind of childlike fascinations and curiosities and kind of balance that with your adult responsibilities. Okay. And, you know... It being you know fiscally responsible and all that stuff and um so it's like a stress but it's like moving on from childhood yeah and that's the idea and then i wrote the next song everybody but me and they so all four songs were kind of written in that order mm-hmm. and then i was like first you know the coffee in the fall are like one project yeah. and then i wrote the third one and then the fourth and i was like all right this it seems like this is it this kind of captures the idea and then the recording process was even was really cool because it was something that i had never done which was like I was living in New York at the time, but hadn't really found a recording studio here yeah. that I wanted to use. And so I went back to Philly where I, I had lived because I went to Temple University mm-hmm. and I went to this guy, Kenny, that I was recording with. And I literally spent like five days in Philly yeah. and we recorded and mixed the four songs, like one song each day. And it was just really cool. I was like grinding okay. and just like, you know, getting four hours of sleep, <laughs> working on my stuff for like 12 hours and then, you like, had a fresh cup of coffee afterwards. Yeah, I had to get, I had to get that coffee. I had to re up. Um, and, uh, yeah, I actually drank a lot of coffee like, while, while working on that song, just to kind of like almost like a method actor kind of getting, yeah. getting in my mode, writing, writing stuff in coffee shops. And I like, like the video, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's cool. That's, yeah. So the, the video is, is like pretty much done. I'm like actually working on trying to get the rights to the actual coffee sample from okay. Sylvan Esso so that I can like release the full music video. Okay. Um, Emma, what inspired you to write your first book? All right. So um, my son is a pain in my neck and um, he was going through a stage where he would cry about everything. Like put on your shirt. He wanted to cry. Put on your socks. He wanted to cry. It was just, it was becoming very overwhelming. And as a mom, you know, you try to find the best solution to help your kids as best as you can. So 
yelling wasn't working and hugging him wasn't working and putting him in a corner wasn't working, ignoring him wasn't working. And once you try all the, 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 the stuff that you try, like as a mom and you're like, all right, and then you get over the crying, like I can't deal with this. And uh, once you get over everything, I got really frustrated with him one day and I was like, once upon a time there was a boy who wouldn't stop crying. And that kind of pretty much is how it started. Two weeks later, the full book was written. And um, that was literally how I got him to stop crying. So every time he would cry, I would literally, once upon a time, there was a boy who wouldn't stop crying. And he literally would cry until I got to the point where the wizard would say, the wizard would whisper in his ear. And immediately, the boy would stop crying. My son would stop crying every single time. And I had to tell the entire story every single time. So um, it was it was crazy how much like how much it impacted him. But it got him to understand the importance of his inner greatness and really understanding the importance of being great with the little things, so you can be greater with the other things. I'm just getting like a lot of goosebumps right now like just to go back quickly to touch on what Steve said about just being childlike and just having those like those properties I think that's amazing when you're an adult but you can still have that curiosity you can still jump out of bed every day mm. and have like a lot of energy and be excited about mm. the world like being able to just make friends quickly so like being like a kid I think is something that's super underrated and then just what you're saying in terms of just like being present to their own greatness and like I think one thing with children they're they are very um susceptible to what you're teaching them and when you're like really putting these lessons on them at a young age it really is going to help develop that self-esteem that confidence that will really empower them to just take on take on the world and just be like you said be great so i'm getting goosebumps <laughs> like it's, it's awesome it could be because it's cold i'm just that, saying that is definitely <laughs> true as well like nine degrees outside. <laughs> <laughs> so have you like you clearly saw like the immediate results from just telling the story and just seeing after you get to the part where the wizard whispers in his ear, like the crying stop. Have you heard a lot of feedback from other parents or people who bought the book as well? So what I did was I kind of went about it in a different way. Um, I, I, I try to become very abstract when I think about how to market to people. At the end of the day, as a parent, especially from experience, if you're gonna buy something, it's because your kid harassed you for it. So I didn't market to parents. I market to kids. So what I did was when I originally wanted to publish it, and I was kind of teeter-tottering with the idea, um, we were on a school bus with my, my daughter's kids first. So now my daughter is, at the time, she was seven. She's, she was in second grade, and my son was in kindergarten. And I went to her grade first because they understand a little bit better. They understand a lot faster. So I went to her grade first, and it was literally in my phone, in my notes. It wasn't even, it wasn't published. I had no illustrations. I had nothing to show them except for my voice. That was it. We're on a bus, and they will not stay quiet. You can see the teachers are, like, in a corner, like, we're almost there. We're almost at the museum. (laughs) Kind of rocking, like, oh, my God. And I'm like, I'm bored. Let me entertain myself. And I was like talking to the kids like you guys want to hear a story and they're like yeah i'm like no you don't you don't want to hear it because then it hit me like oh sweat i really got to tell them the story now (laughs) and i'm like wait a minute so i um i told it to them and the first time i read it to them i'm waiting for them to be like i don't want to hear that i had to read it three times back to back 
before I could even, and then like their idea, like, wow, like, but, but why was he crying? Why do you think he was crying? I didn't give you a reason why he's crying. I just said he was crying. What do you think? Well, I honestly believe, and they're like in second grade, like, I honestly believe when I'm just looking at them, like, you honestly believe what? Like, what you talking about? <laughs> so like listening to them, like, and how they kind of, you know, felt about it. And they, they're in that mode in their school where they have to really break down a book. And so to have them listen to it, memorize it in just that one sitting, no, read it again, read it again, to the point where we get to the museum and they're like, oh, but I wanted to, can you read it on the way back? And I'm like, no, I'm not reading it anymore. I'm tired of my own book now. Thank you. But it was like just, just testing with their class first. And then I went and um, after I published it, I went and did it with my son's class. Now, my son's class, because he's, a, he's two years behind her, by this time he's in first grade. There, I realized that his class was more, they're more, they need to see it. They're more physical learners. They need to physically grasp it. So now that I tested it on my, my, um, my daughter's class, I tested it on my son's class, and I read my first copy of the book to his class. Mm. And... They were already like, you're famous, you're an author. I'm like, right. So that was like kind of cool. And just to see the illustrations, and they're just learning what an illustrator is in first grade. So they're like, did you draw it? Like if they know what they're talking about, like, are you the illustrator? And I'm like, "Mm, kind of, not really. And I'm breaking it down to them and stuff like that. And I ended up having to read that book twice. And I think the best part about it was, to have parents that I've never met a day in my life because my picture's on the back of the book, having random parents come up to me like, hey, I keep trying to find you because I bought your book, but I need you to sign it. Wait a minute. Where did Because uh-huh. I didn't tell nobody where I posted it. I didn't tell them where you can buy it. I didn't say anything. I literally published it maybe a month or two before that, and they're walking up to me like, yeah, my son keeps harassing me about this book that you wrote. And I'm like, <laughs> who's your son <laughs> I don't even know you and um that was kind of how it started and she like she was really really thankful and happy like what made you write it because my son does the same thing I'm like your son cries too like I didn't even know this was a normal thing like I had to actually go back and then re-research my market like oh my god all kids cry at this age like this is normal for a boy mm-hmm. oh my my kid is not crazy this is great <laughs> so that was like it was really cool to see how many parents and moms were super gratified at the fact that they have a book that their son can relate to now they have to go out and buy wizard clothes but at least their son can like relate to it and understand the basic concept of what the parent is trying to get the child to understand so it's really cool Mm -hmm. I got a lot of gems out of that. One thing that really stuck out to me was like for all those entrepreneurs out there, like you have to really understand who you're marketing to and know who your audience is because that really makes all the difference. And I love how you you actually created the the book to actually get your son to stop crying. But again, just putting those gems in there, those hidden nuggets. And it's like that's a secondary result out of it because there's so much more that they're getting out of it. I love it. Um, and that, that kind of makes me, lead me back to you and Asia. Um, from interviewing so many different entrepreneurs and just really getting into their world, seeing what they're dealing with, like what lessons or what gems have you taken away from 
your magazine and just meeting and working with so many different entrepreneurs? Um, uh, with working with other entrepreneurs, I just learned that just keep trying. You know, like if it's your calling, it's gonna it's gonna work out somehow. Um, with um, well, he's not here today, but with this other rapper named ATG, mm-hmm. um, he started rapping late in the game. You know, mm-hmm. and he's getting fans from all over, you know, they come to his shows and whatnot, and it doesn't matter what age you are, if you have a calling, do it, Mm -hmm. you know, go for it, and that's the same thing that I'm doing with A-Plug, like, it's something that I always wanted to do, I started a little bit, you know, what I would consider later, because everybody's blogging now, it's a thing, you know, everybody's doing something on the computer, I started a little bit late, but, um, you know, you just go out there and you push, Um, so that's what I've um, mostly with the entrepreneurs, yeah, you just have to have that motivation. You keep that motivation going. Surround yourself around like-minded people because True. that's what pushes you too. Because mm-hmm. I've noticed, um, for me, if I'm around people who act, think like me and have goals like I do, I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to write about you. Yeah. I want to put this in my magazine. So it motivates me. It fuels my fire mm-hmm. as well as it fuels their fire as well. So, yeah, Um Oh man, it's just there's a lot. I get yeah. so passionate about it. Um, I just um, just seeing people doing well and knowing that I could also help them do well mm-hmm. as well as I, I'm doing well yeah. with them. It's it's just amazing. All right, and in terms of being like an entrepreneur, like in the beginning stages, um, it ain't bringing in the money. So um, <laughs> you know, it's a lot. Yeah, and it's yeah, very time definitely. consuming. So what do you do outside of the magazine? Yeah, um, right now I'm working with a school. I'm a teacher's assistant. Mm-hmm. So um, that's my main focus um, outside of being a mother <laughs> to a one-year-old. Um, but what's paying the bills right now is being a teacher. Okay. Um, A-plug isn't being, you know, bringing any money in right now. It's bringing joy. Mm-hmm. So that's pay enough yeah. right now but yeah teachers sometimes it's the simple things that all yeah, that matters right exactly simple. and in regards to that too like how many people are part of the magazine i know it's not just you by yourself you <laughs> no girl all it, by is, <laughs> it is me right You're now the show. it's literally Jeez. me by myself and you know trying to meet those deadlines that i put for myself it's you know it kind of gets crazy you know trying to juggle you know my regular life being a mom and being you know working and then trying to to um, manage a plug it's just me I'm looking to hire um, well not hire I don't know what I would call it right now because I don't know if I could pay anybody so intern. I don't know if it's hire yeah. yes intern get you a pro bono put it on your resume yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for a team but I mean also I feel like it kind of runs a little bit smoother if it's just me because if I don't meet a deadline it's me I didn't meet the deadline yeah. it's not anybody else's fault um so, yeah, it's me. I'm running the show. I'm a, just by myself right now. <laughs> I, I kind of run into things like that as well. Like, just yeah. like that I'm, like, would love to have a crew of people to do, yeah. like, you know, my Instagram posting and all that stuff. But I feel like at the end of the day, I, like, rely on myself most. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm really bad at setting deadlines for myself. But there's, like, nothing that will get yeah. you to really buckle down and, like, get it done yeah. than, like, a deadline. Yeah, that's you know, true. Especially when someone. you're setting it up for yourself and also you want to meet your own personal goals, which right, exactly. matters just as much. Right. And you're going to take what you need to do for yourself more seriously than someone else. Yeah, exactly. And in regards to that, Steve, like what, um, what is your creative process like when you're writing a song? A lot of times, um, I mean, it depends. Like for the past year, so I released Opportune Displacement like about a year ago, last January. Okay. And since then, I've kind of been like taking it easy on that and like kind of focusing on like living and mm-hmm. enjoying like 
the stuff that I'm doing, and okay. that kind of helps me to write stuff. Like, it's just a nice balance between, like, sitting down and writing something and, like, living life okay. and, like, giving me, providing me things to mm-hmm. write about. So I've, you know, just as, like, things develop in the world and in my life, just, like, getting ideas and writing about them. Yeah. So, like, now, like about a year later I finally have like the idea of what my next project is going to be so okay. there's like 10 to 14 songs or so that mm-hmm. like are written that will probably be on the project and they were all kind of written like sporadically throughout the year in different parts some of them are finished some have yeah. like a verse some I want to feature someone not really sure who yet whatever like yeah um so that kind of has been the process for at least this past year and um I'm really excited for the the direction of the new project it's kind of going to be like two different it's going to be like two albums pretty much. Mm-hmm. The same songs, just one album will have samples and one will have um, original instrumentals. Okay. And that like that also relates to my project. A lot of times I'll hear like a song that I just really love that, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I would love to sample that. So I like go download it, loop it, and like add drums if I want yeah. and like start writing something to it. And like, so I've had you know, over this year, written some songs with original instrumentals that I find online and some songs, you know, that are samples. So that's kind of going to be the motivation for the new project is that it's going to be one that's all sampled and then taking those lyrics and those songs, putting those over original instrumentals with like, you know, the same kind of emotions and vibe Mm -hmm. and like writing my own chorus. Okay. So um, that's kind of, you know, the idea. And that's like, a lot of my process is just, like, kind of picking things up and, like, you know, a lot of... There's been a lot of, like, bad shit going on this past year that inspires <laughs> one to write about... It's a lot about. of inspiration, man. Exactly. I so, don't know what growth. you talk of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so just kind of, like, naturally, you know, not forcing things. Yeah. Like, every once in a while, I, like, set a deadline and be like, all right, I really want to write a verse. But for the most part, it's, like, all natural, mm-hmm. just, like, you know... I'm lucky. I have Kiana on top of me to, mm. to make sure my <laughs> deadlines get met. Light a fire under But speaking of collaborations, if you had to name one artist that you would love to collaborate and you could pick anyone, who would that be? Um, I think, like, obviously Common being my favorite, I would, like, I would love to write something like that. Um, it also is kind of cool because of like the age and like generational difference where he started rapping in like, you know, the early nineties and is still relevant today. And like, you know, I'm would be like one of like the next generation kind of things. I would say him and like Wale. Wale is like one of my favorite. And I would say like, one of some Wale. he's like <laughs> one of the best. Too. Shout out comment. No, I mean, as far as I feel like, as far as like, talent goes yes. i might even put wale above common for myself like Ooh, just because right. like because he maybe like there the thing about wale is that like he's not like loved by all there's yeah, like certain true. people that love this He'll about him certain that people himself. that like this about <laughs> exactly but like i feel like he has the overall package where like lyrical lyrically he's yeah. like one of the most intelligent people mm-hmm. as far as like subject matter he talks about such a wide variety That's of true. things and he also has like this inspiration to be mainstream and be like popular and on radio. So like you add those factors together and the, like the result is this really nice balance of like stuff that's kind of has like a pop sound to Mm -hmm. it where you could play it on the radio or in the club or, but like at the same time you sit back and listen to it and it's like, Oh, I need to like rewind that because I need to like get exactly what he was saying. Mm -hmm. And like, he's just like 
brilliant lyrically talent and like it would be really awesome to like get on a song with him to collaborate with Mm -hmm. Um, Emma, what is your creative process like? Eh, Well, it honestly depends on what I'm writing. So although I published a children's book, fun fact, (laughs) (laughs) I um, actually write music too. Hey. Yeah. So um, You didn't tell me that when I interviewed you for the magazine. Well, you see what happened was. was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I used to write. I've been writing, writing music. Well, rephrase. Been writing songs, not mm-hmm. music. Been writing songs since like fifth grade. And it was more like a hobby for me. It wasn't something that I really wanted to pursue. Writing was never my first choice as a career when I was younger. Actually, I used to own a, um, an event company. I had my own event business. And I used to do weddings and baby showers. And my last customer was an international like, she was coming from England to New York. Cool. It, was, it was, like, a really, really big deal. And I had to shut everything down because life happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, my son, my kids were, like, my main inspiration. I realized, like, most of my writing hit a lot of people. So if I'm writing music, for me, I need to hear the instrumentals. Once mm-hmm. I hear the instrumentals, it's... It, last song I wrote, it took me seven minutes to write the entire song. Mm-hmm. That wow. includes both verses... Like two verses, a chorus, and a bridge had everything done and was ready to submit it. Like, all right, what's up? What's next? Like, you yeah. got the next one ready, or like it honestly wow. depends on how I'm feeling. Or like, um, there's a there's a rapper, um, Amante Aparque. I actually went to elementary school with him, and I was listening to his songs because for me, I need to hear your lyrics. I need to hear yeah. what you actually write about. So if you if I hear what what you rap about, I'm gonna feed off of it, and then I'm gonna write something geared to what you do versus mm-hmm. what I do. So um, he actually sent me a beat, and I was, um, he, I, I was expecting him just to want me to do a chorus. I'm like, yo, we should meet up in a studio, have a writing session. He's like, yeah, yeah, sent me the beat. I finished the chorus. Like, hey, I know I'm not done and all, but um, I finished a chorus if you're ready. Mm-hmm. And he's like, <laughs> like, oh, okay, I want to hear it. You realize I ain't recording I know, right? I just wrote it. Like, you know that, right? Like, so it honestly just depends on what I'm writing. Um, between this one, the next book that I wrote was Inspired by My Daughter. Um, I'm I'm extremely multicultural. So my my daughter, she's she's Antiguan and everything I am. I'm black, Native American, Indian, Pakistani, and French and German. And yeah, and black, right. So because of that, my daughter has the kinkier black hair. And mm-hmm. it's a struggle for her in school because for her being around a lot of like Spanish kids and stuff like that, she's like, mommy, I want my hair pinned straight. And I'm like, that's nice. I'm not putting no heat in your head. Mm-hmm. I can't help you. <laughs> you ain't walking around with no flat. First of all, I'm going to do the flat iron and seven minutes later, you're going to have an Afro puff. Yep. I'm not doing it. Like, you lost your mind. Like, ain't nothing wrong you, with the curls, honey. Thank you. That's all I'm saying. Girl. You better let them know. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, you know, she gets her hair cornrowed. I cornrow her hair. She, that's, that's my daughter. So it was like I wrote my second book kind of kind of pinging off the idea of black girl magic. Instead of black girl magic, it's for the younger generation, the kids, because that's, that's my motivation. Like, mm-hmm. they're the next generation. So for her, the name of the book is Big Girl Magic. Oh. Mm. So it's literally geared, you pinging he me like the goosebumps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he gonna read it. Um, and it's about not her fighting her outer bully, but her inner bully. Oh, wow. Oh. That's deep. Yeah. I like that. Like, it's about like her that. understanding, like, her insecurities going into school. Like, oh, my God, you know, I don't know if anyone's going to like me and da 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 And she has to fight her inner bully. Right. And she has to. And it's, um, 
it's my way of introducing mantras to her. Mm-hmm. So she has to stand in front of the mirror and say, I am beautiful. I am strong. I am smart. And she has to say this to herself. And if she feels insecure, she has to say it every single day in school over and over. And she has to continue saying it. And the last mantra she says is, I am big girl magic. And mm-hmm. her inner bully, because of course it's still geared to kids, her inner bully kind of comes out yeah. and is like ready to attack her. And she's like, I am big girl magic. And the bully literally just disappears. Oh, oh my God. That's like, so dope. I like that. Um, it's beautiful. It's, it it's kind of like how I got her to understand, like, you are beautiful just the way you are. Like, mm-hmm. you don't need anybody to tell you at the end of the day, what makes you the best part of you is you. Mm-hmm. Like, no one can be a better version of you. Mm-hmm. So if that's what it is, then I need you to understand that being the best version of yourself is what you need to be. Don't try to be Spanish. Don't try to be nothing else. Nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying. But I want her to be Kaylee. Mm-hmm. Like, in mm-hmm. everything that encompasses Kaylee. Right. So, that's why I wrote my, um, my book. But it honestly just depends on how I'm feeling. So, my creative writing is literally eclectic. It's everywhere and nowhere all at once. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I like that. <laughs> and where do you see your writing career taking you? <sighs> honestly? Yeah. Very far. It's really, it's really bad. Um... That's not bad. No, no, no. It's bad because of how far I see it. Like, so my son's book was a stepping stone. My daughter's book is going to give me traction. My third book is going to get me the movie. Okay. That's good. I hear that. Like, I that's like how that. far I see it. So Big you're on JK Rolling Stack. <laughs> <laughs> cool. The, actually, the second book is in, the third book is inspired by JK Rowling. And fun fact in Europe, they pronounce it Rowling. Oh, in wow. America, they pronounce it rolling, or it might be the other way. No, no I, think you're right. I think it's the right way. Yeah. Oh, wow. I, just, just for I fun know fact. that. That is a fun yeah. fact. Let me so. tell you something. Maya will be reading your book because <laughs> yeah. I will be buying the books for her because she's, like I said, she's a one year old, but yep. I know she's going to get to that age. I'm going to say, here, read this. And I said, my homegirl, Emma, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those lessons are so important no, to, kids, to yeah. kids. Especially at a young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I had them young because I feel like it's easier to relate to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, especially now, I feel like there's such a. Like a stanza, like, oh, my God, you had a child at this age. Like, Mm -hmm. first of all, you don't even understand why I had her. You don't even understand what she brought to me, you know, so. And that's all that matters. You know, and and that's like the, you're you're so young. Oh, yeah? And so you want to have a kid old is what you're saying. Like, I've been through that. That's not fun either, so. Yeah, Yeah, it's tough. I have a friend who also has, like, pressure from her family to, like, they're all like, oh, when are you going to have a kid? When are you going to have a kid? But then, like, her friends are like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't believe, like you're struggling like you have a kid at such a young age it's like yeah you know, different forces you have to rush your life yeah don't rush <laughs> like, my life i'm doing what i want to do that's all i'm saying i feel like a too mm-hmm. quick to just tell other people how to live their life opposed sure. to just worrying about their do own you life. Boo. fighting your own bully i don't have any kids right now but i feel like i i, I need one now I need <laughs> <laughs> just to all get right. the book you'd be like all look right. you could borrow mine and then you'd like be reminded <laughs> why you don't want them you would turn it back real quick exactly. like, <laughs> Um, okay, so aside from that, you said that you plan to do the book as a movie. Um, what other things do you plan on doing f- in terms Besides of your career? That? Yes. Um, as a, <laughs> it's going to sound kind of funny, but as a hobby, I actually want to do 
um, I want to write songs as a hobby and like sell them. Okay, mm. that's gonna be um, that, and then like a ghostwriter. Mm. Yeah, I want to oh. be a ghostwriter. I don't like, feel like she's gonna be a ghostwriter. No, everybody <laughs> gonna know. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. That was me. Okay. Like, I think you know. for me, like that was the inner gratification of it. Like you don't know it was me, but yeah. you're like, yo, this song is popping. I'm like, oh yeah, it was popping. Like, yeah. tell me more. About like, it. Yeah. tell me what you really think. Like, I think that was like my favorite part about it. So that was something that I was super, super stoked to do. Um, there's something that I'm actually venture. I can't believe I'm actually about to talk about this. All right, so there's something I'm actually venturing off into now because I feel like motivation is super, super important. And what people fail to realize nowadays is the energy that they bring. And not just the energy that they bring, but you're responsible for making sure that the energy that you bring is positive to anyone else around you, right? So what everyone knows about posture. Whenever you think about posture, you think about sitting up straight, right? The second definition of posture is your demeanor, your attitude, how you speak to somebody. Yeah, it makes and you sit up, right? To make sure <laughs> you gotta adjust, right? <laughs> so it's like the second definition of posture is how you, your demeanor, how you actually speak to someone, your attitude. It's literally your posture. So right now, I'm actually in the process of creating my own line of clothes that's called Posture Tude. So it's your attitude, your posture, your demeanor, meaning come correct when you speak to me. Mm -hmm. Like, meaning, you know, you come correct to someone else when someone else speaks to you. Because at the end of the day, we need positive energy and we need a positive focus and making sure that we're respectful to anyone and everyone that we encounter because that's what makes life better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's where I'm at. So all of those kind of things. I'm dibble dabbling. I'm just blown away, like, because I, I obviously I, we did research, looked into everyone, but just like actually being around you guys, the energy is just lit, Super and I'm dope. just I like, I'm like yeah, just getting gems, and this is I couldn't have asked for anything better on a, like a beautiful but cold Saturday, yeah. like so this is dope. Um, that kind of leads me to want to ask you, Steve, because I know you're very positive person as well it's like what do you want people to get when they're listening to your music i think the thing that i look forward to is kind of like what emma's doing with her books and just like not even necessarily or like for me at least it's not like i'm not trying to like change the world with my ideas and my songs but just if i could get the pleasure of like a handful of people being like you know what i was like having a really fucking awful day but i listened to this awesome steve young song and i'm like feeling much more inspired and a little more positive that's kind of like that's what i kind of yeah. envisioning vision being the result of like my music that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what i look for okay cool um anasia describe what the process is like in producing and managing a magazine since you're doing it all by yourself <laughs> <laughs> just want to know well it's it it's a lot. Um, well, not too much. Um, well, you, first you have to get a website. That was like the hardest thing for me because I was just, um, sometimes when I want to do something, I want to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And that's probably also why I'm doing this magazine on my own because I just, I want to do it just by myself. But um, so I had to figure out how to build a, a website and I was trying to learn coding and, and whatnot. And I'm just I like, with that oh, one. oh, this is taking too long. I don't know if I can do this. So. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to just, you know, do WordPress. Um, so that's um, what my website, mm-hmm. the, uh, the engine is WordPress. Um, other than that, um, finding people, which Facebook helps, finding people that um, you'd want to interview, you'd want to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so with Facebook, I always have a bunch of people like Emma and Steve. And <laughs> them, they're always doing something. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, you know, I interview them, I talk to them, see what they're doing, what they're up to. Um, 
just and getting your name out there that's the another one that's a little bit difficult sometimes um putting yourself out there where you're talking to people say hey i have a i have a magazine you know i'm not the most outgoing person i'm not gonna just i'm not the usual person to just go up to you and just start um holding a conversation with you Mm -hmm. but i'm starting to put myself out there even with this podcast you know putting myself (laughs) out there you know um that's what really is the biggest thing um for building um my magazine um yeah, I have little business cards that I hand out to people as well. Yeah, and yeah. All right, cool. And um, what do you um do you have any articles coming out that you're excited about and want to share? Yeah, um, there's a guy named well, his company is called Gizmo Tech. Um, he's the next person up to um have the um put an article up for him. He has a computer um business where he'll fix your computer either um online or if you have it sent to him and I thought that was dope because I've been getting a lot of there's nothing against rappers I don't want you to think that I don't want rappers but I have a lot of rappers <laughs> that you know I'm doing interview for so when I come across somebody who's doing something different yeah I'm really like yeah it's cool yeah. you know especially you know people of my age you know and I no just thought that was no, no shade to rappers no shade to I mean we're, we're thirsty we're like all trying to <laughs> we're all trying to get interviewed <laughs> Right, and even with Emma, when she, in her book, I was so excited to, to learn more about her book because, like I said, I've all different walks of life. I love it. Um, so, yeah, I'm very excited about um, interviewing him. Well, I already interviewed him. I just have to, you know, get the article written up, and that's cool. So I can't wait for people to actually learn about, you know, his services and what he does. I'm not going to say too much into it now because I want you to read the article, guys. Um, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> cool. I, I wanted to touch on this, Steve. So in your interview with A-Plug, you mentioned your mom is a life coach. So as having a mom as a life coach, did she influence you in following your dream and moving to New York to pursue your career? Uh, she definitely was a big influence, at least in like the, you know, the, the stuff that I present and like the, the positivity of my music. She actually kind of, she was like an obstacle that I had to hurdle over to like get into pursuing music mm-hmm. not necessarily an obstacle but like I'll tell you the story so I was working as an architect at an architecture firm mm-hmm. that's what I studied in school and I like went on an, a trip to Israel with a friend of mine who was trying to convince me to get out of this job that he knew that I hated and he was like why don't you stay in Israel with for me with me for the year yeah and like drop your architecture job we can record some music here and like get you a job and it was like I was so hyped about it. I was yeah. so like ready to do it because it was like such an exciting endeavor to mm-hmm. pursue on. And I called my mom and she was like, no, that's not the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. If you want to do that, it's fine. But first come back, leave your job properly, tie up all loose ends here. You can't just stay there. Yeah. So I came back and then maybe like a few weeks later, like before my cousin's wedding in California, I brought it up to her again. I was like, mom, thinking about leaving the architecture job to go into music and then she was like, uh, I don't know, there's too much going on mm-hmm. right now. Bring it up after the wedding. Okay. And then, like, a few more weeks later, those went by, and I was like, Mom, I'm, like, I'm really thinking about leaving the job and yeah. pursuing music. And this is when I was living in Philly at the time. And she was like, all right, you know what? I see you're very passionate about mm-hmm. this. I just want to make sure you're able to pay your rent. And, like, um, you know, she, like, gave me this life, and, like, you know, uh, it's my job to do with it the best that I can. Um, and then, like, moving to New York was kind of, I mean, I guess, like, I wanted to be closer to family, and mm-hmm. I have a lot of my family in New Jersey, so it's nice to be in the city. That provides me a lot more avenues to, you know, yeah. pursue the music and mm-hmm. meet, meet different people. So, 
Um, she, but she's always an influence for me to like follow my dreams, regardless. All right, cool. And in your Everyday But Me song, which is one of the songs that I like by you, you really um, discuss like where your pairs are in their life in comparison to where you are, like people who are married with kids and have all of this going mm -hmm. on. Um, can you speak more into like how millennials can relate to this and how that concept influenced this record? Yeah, for sure. I Facebook, I think, is one of the nah, big, biggest do it. like influencers <laughs> on that song. That in the gram, boy. That in the gram. Exactly. It's... <laughs> It's just like it's like such a way of like you know presenting this image of yourself that's so successful mm -hmm. and so incredible and I like I try to stay away from Facebook cuz I just feel like it's like it's all like bullshit. It's a facade. <laughs> but um yeah, it's the idea of the song is just like, you know, and being confident in mm -hmm. yourself. Like the the title of the song is Everybody But Me and yeah. the idea is like, you know, you you can be influenced by all these different things, whether it be Facebook or like, you know, celebrities or articles. Like, there's so many different outlets that you can receive inf mm -hmm. influence from. But the idea of the song is finding what things that you want not to be influenced by. So, for example, like, you know, if you've got some friend that like just started working some like really awesome business yeah. job that he's like getting paid so much. And, like, you're, you know, maybe going to be influenced that in that and be like, you know, maybe I should, like, stop making music and go back to architecture yeah. or go back to whatever office job that I left. But, like, you have to just know to influence, you know, what things to just be selective about. Mm -hmm. Like, be influenced by certain things that you want to be and be, like, you know, stay away from things that you don't want to be okay. influenced by. What thing happened, like, for you to let sparked this song like was were you like working at the time and you realized where your friends were and then you was like i need to write something about this if you have the concept in your mind it, yeah it was definitely something that kind of not necessarily festered that's like yeah. the best word i can think of at the moment but like something that just like built in you yeah. like one of the lines in the song is like um like your friends have you know benefits and paid vacation and stuff like that and it's like you know you see on facebook all your yeah. friends like going on like to like in tropical vacations and things like that. And I'm like, like I haven't been... Months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like something that just kind of built up over time and yeah. just like realizing like there's so much pressure and I kind of like get down on myself sometimes because yeah. I'm like, you Same. know, maybe, maybe I should just like continue music as a hobby and go back to architecture because yeah. it's like a more stable future. Mm -hmm. And like it's just something that, you know, I, I wrote the song with that idea in mind. Just like, you know, be influenced by what you want to be influenced by and just like know what not to be. And what advice would you give um, up-and-coming artists? Uh, I would say, I mean, like, find your niche. Like, you know, make make the music that you want to make. Don't yeah. necessarily make something because, like, you're influenced by somebody else that you're... Tr like, I, I think a big thing to learn is, like, sometimes the music you listen to is not the same as the music you want to create. You know, Ooh, like... Oh, I like that. You're a, lo a lot of jumps here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, like, for example, Timbaland, like, I feel like when you when you think of Timbaland, you think of these, like, really awesome, like, sounding beats with, like, rappers and stuff. But if you listen to a Timbaland album, mm -hmm. it's a little more electronic than the stuff that the rappers use him for. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, that's his style, where he, like, you know, he has this one hustle where he <coughs> makes beats for rappers, yeah. and that's, like, he knows what they're looking for, mm -hmm. but he also knows the stuff that he personally wants to create, and so he goes and does his solo albums, and... You know, and that has a certain vibe to it that's different than what he wants to, you know, maybe listen to. So it's like, find, like, create the music that you want to create and make mm -hmm. that be, like, you know, the best product that you po possibly can. And, um, 
you know, just be like happy with it. And just like Anisha was saying that like she's not necessarily making money off the magazine right now, but she's getting having fun doing yeah. it and learning. <laughs> and like that's so important to like you know it's cliche yes. or whatever, but no, like but be who you are exactly. <laughs> like do it for fun, otherwise Fuck. it's not gonna you know yeah. it's not gonna do anything because it's like no, it's, it's true. What's life without happiness? That's yeah. very true. Or exactly. joy, for that matter. <laughs> um, Emma, do you think it's important for women of color to be a part of the children's book industry? And if so, why? Yes. I think that they should be a part of any and every industry they can get their hands on, period. Okay. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, no offense to men. No, <laughs> let's, let's say that. Speak on it, honey. We, we, need, we need to be offended. Speak it's like, on it. This is our but time. There's no way, shape, or form that any man can do what a woman can do, period. And I don't mean that saying, like, you know, like, there's certain things that... For an example, I'll give you a perfect example. And it's a smaller scale, but it's, a, it's the best example that I can give to kind of help you see the bigger picture. I work at FedEx as a manager in the city at a hotel. And people come in with packages all day, every day. Man walks in with six boxes. They're 50 pounds each. And they're two feet by two feet by two feet. They are literally half my size if I'm in front of it. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. You can't carry that. Boy, do you know who I am? Uh, you from think the Bronx. Be- do you <laughs> know what time it is. You, you think because you a man you could carry a box? So not only while I watched him struggle on purpose, let him put the box on the table, and then I picked it up and I held it and looked at him. Like, uh-huh. yeah, I'm not struggling, right? You all right, though? You want to talk about it? Like, whenever we have our minds set on something, because not only we move, women move not only based on what we think, but how we feel about it. And when you're passionate about something and you have an emotion behind it, you, you create your own drive. Meaning, I don't need anyone to influence me. I have my own wheel. I'm turning myself. Mm-hmm. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen because I said it's going to happen. And you may not like it, but it's going to go down. Mm-hmm. And I feel like... Not only that, but women of color fail to realize how powerful they are. They focus on certain aspects, and they forget that they're powerful in any and everything that they touch. They're, they're that, and it's like, I want to see you in any and every industry. I want to see you touch everything. Because at the end of the day, without that, who, like, we're not going to have any strong black men. We're not going to have any strong anybody. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would love to see them in any and every industry. <laughs> have you read Again, the book the power n- no right now what am i reading right now 48 Law- 48 laws of power and um i'm reading actually a chakra book i'm reading about the seven um my seven mm. chakras at the moment listen oh. the the power is a book that my girlfriend's reading right now i forget the name of the author, author but um it's about like it's a fiction and it's like women develop this power that they can like basically use their minds to electrocute men and oh uh, or women. I'm reading that today. Yes. Yes. Yo. Yo. So, she's telling me about it now. I think actually Barack Obama even listed that as like one of his favorite reads oh, from oh this past Barack. year. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it's like society kind of turns where women are now in control of everything and men oh, are now are being like abused and downtrodden mm. and like Oh you don't like it you think so right over there. Y'all not ready for that. Y'all got this I mean, Pierre, we're we're the minority in this room. (laughs) But anyway, sorry to you know derail conversation. It's it's definitely a good read. I'm gonna read that. Yeah, I am too. Yup, no taking a pocket. You just kept saying power. We have this power. We do. Literally, you have the power. The power. I love it. So 
Emma, we, on the show we discuss police brutality and how it affects the younger generation. Um, people of color, particularly black parents, are really obligated to have that conversation with their children about how to interact with police officers. Is that something you plan to include in your books in the future? Mm. I feel like I'll probably touch on it. I don't, I, I don't know how, because I feel like right now, because my son is younger, it's harder to address it with him, especially since in his head, police officers are still good. And it's like, to, to break that now, and it's, it's even worse. I have cousins that are police officers. Like, I have family members that are in law enforcement. I have mm-hmm. people that, you know, like, I know they're not bad. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's so bad that, you know, literally one apple can literally rot in a whole bunch. Like, that's, it's so frustrating. But I feel like it's also important to, to, to not only explain to him, but to get younger people to truly understand, like, you know, not only just their rights, but what they should do, how they should address the police. I feel like all of that is super, super important. And if it happens, I'll probably be right back here telling you, you remember that time? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a conversation I'm, I'm not prepared to have with him. And not even I'm not even prepared to have it with my daughter because both of them have to have that sit down and yeah. talk about it. Because my son is, is more light-skinned. He could get away with a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, just don't take him to the sun too much. You know, he's a little lighter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but my daughter, it's, it's over. You know, she's, she's a little bit darker than me. She looks black. Like, I can't lie. You know, it's more like my son. I may be able to pass him off as a little Spanish suave mente kind of little kid. But, they still can stop too. Right? Yeah. No, they do. Yeah. But I like I may be able to hold it off a little bit longer with him. But yeah, I have to have that conversation with them, and hopefully it does become something. Well, I'm glad you mentioned your daughter as well because I was thinking in the context of not just for your son but also your daughter in terms of like Sandra Bland and other women who have yeah. went through police brutality. Mm-hmm. So, at what point do you think you're going to have the conversation with them? It's strange because my daughter actually presented it to me. Wow. My, like, my daughter's eight. And to, for her to be like, Mom, I don't know if I like the police. I'm like, hold up, wait a minute. She like, given her a high five. Like, I couldn't even high five her. Because it was like such a shock. Like, do I high five her? Do I like... Keep it a honey. Like, oh, man. I'm like, um, all right, so what made you say that? Yeah. She's like, you know, Mom, they just kill so many people. And, and I'm just like... So what are you going to do? Like, I don't, like, I, I was not prepared for that. But knowing her, for her, I'll probably start it with her because she's about to be nine, nine in July. So probably I'll start it with her when she hits 10 because right now she's always with an adult. It's mm-hmm. not like she's ever by herself. So I'll probably start hitting her when, I'm, when she's 10 and hitting my son when he's eight. Like, he needs to hear it a little bit earlier than she does. Whenever we have a conversation, it's always a family discussion. It's never anything separate. So I'll probably hit it with her when she's 10 and him when he's eight and really, like, driving it home as they get older. But repetition is key with any child. So presenting it to them and making sure that I'm consistent with telling them. Okay. Valid. Um, So, Steve. The song The Revolution, you discuss people being ignorant and inconsiderate, judging a genre without even listening, and when referring to rap music. So when you have conversations with people that are ignorant to rap music or the culture, how do you persuade them to think differently, and have you been successful in being able to do that with people? I think I've had a little bit of success in the sense that a lot of people that don't really care for hip-hop don't necessarily like put it down, but people that don't listen to hip hop as their primary genre will really get into my stuff and like, you know, they just based on the subject matter and that it's like 
really articulately put together and it's like it's very clean whereas like a lot of those people kind of have a preconceived notion that whatever is you know this junk that's on the radio mm -hmm. is like a big representation representation of hip-hop mm -hmm. and that's kind of one of the main ideas of that song like i had a friend the song starts out saying like i have a friend who and he hates hip-hop and like he'll talk smack about it but it's like you don't even listen to it so how can you really judge it mm -hmm. where like you know whatever random little blurbs he'll hear like from some car passing by with music blasting like he'll yeah. base the entire genre <laughs> on like um, yeah. the gunshots in the background and like <laughs> calling it, talking about like, okay. yeah like <laughs> bitches and hoes and all that stuff and it's like Percocet yeah exactly like Molly Percocet <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry so no no so that's like uh, kind of the thing that I, I try to push is that like you, you gotta listen to a little more of than yes. like just the surface level there's mm -hmm. so many different yeah. subgenres of you know hip hop that like but, I mean, some people, are, they're just, like, not necessarily lost cause, but they're just, like, it's just not their taste, you know? Okay. It's, like, it's like caviar, you know? You gotta, like, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's just not everybody's taste. But uh, I think I'm pretty successful in, in, in crossing genres that way. And a lot of that comes with, like, the sampling that I do. Like, yeah. I, I don't necessarily take beats that are, like, oh, that's, like, a hip-hop beat. Like, yeah. I take a beat that's, like, not hip-hop and kind of make it that. Okay. All right, cool. So um, we talk about a lot on our show in terms of black culture and how it's appropriated. So we just wanted to get your thoughts on the appropriation of hip hop. And what would you say to someone who accused you of appropriating um, being a white rapper? Mm -hmm. It's I mean, that's definitely a complicated issue. And I think. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, just because of timing, we're actually going to have to cut you off there and we're going to save your answer for the next episode because this is going to be a two-part episode so Ooh, stay tuned yeah definitely Ooh. definitely drop you guys with a cliffhanger out of nowhere yeah it's new for us i, I like it <laughs> um so once again thank you for tuning in today everyone this has been a special episode again it's the first time we've had so many different personalities so and different guests on the show and this has been a great process and i'm just loving it so <laughs> we, we appreciate the support you can follow us on instagram and twitter at unapologetic d underscore you can also follow us on facebook at unapologetically different and you can find us on soundcloud and on itunes by searching for unapologetically different stay tuned for next week's episode and definitely want to get steve's take on key's question bye bye see ya